Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Honest Worship Podcast. I'm going to be completely honest. I've, we This is the second time we're uh, recording this. And um, what what happened was I started off with the intro, and then I completely forgot what I had to say after that. <laughs> so we, we stopped recording, and then we started again. Uh, but welcome back to another episode. Um, we are so glad. Um, well, as you probably, if you listened to last episode, you know that it has been now over a year since we've had uh, THWP. Um, and so we are so grateful for each and every single one of you. We, uh, of course, all of this is only by the grace of God that we have made it yeah. this far. Um, and so praise God for his grace, praise God for his mercy uh, in bringing us this far. And so uh, what we wanted to do in this episode, uh, we're going to try our very best to keep this as concise as possible because we know that the last few episodes were a little bit longer, especially with the Atonement series and then the epi- uh, and then episode uh, 18 was, of course, our one-year kind of celebration uh, episode. Mm-hmm. And so that was a little bit longer. We talked about some stuff that uh, we kind of look back on some stuff, some stuff that we want to keep doing and stuff that we want to continue doing and maybe add. Um, and so that was a little bit longer. So we're going to try to keep this maybe 45 minutes to an hour. And then if need be, if we want to expand on these topics, we'll probably have another episode uh, in, in, in regards or like, uh, I guess, correlating to this one as well. Yeah. Uh, and so in this episode, our primary goal is to talk again about worship. What is worship? Kind of getting back into our theme for this whole podcast, which is, of course, worship. And we, of course, have never really left that because everything that we've talked about, whether it be um, a lyric analysis, the Christ series, the atonement series, uh, all of that is really important to understanding uh, worship, right? If we don't understand yeah. the mercy of God, uh, like we talked about in the atonement series, we cannot truly understand uh, how we are to worship in light of the mercies of God. If we don't understand who the person of Jesus is, then we don't know who we truly are worshiping. Um, yeah. And so while we never left uh, the topic of worship, we kind of really want to start honing in as, uh, I guess, aggressively as we can to this topic. And so uh, if you remember, uh, the second episode that we released of the Honest Worship Podcast was uh, called What is Worship? Uh, yeah. And so today, uh, we are also going to be talking about what is worship. But uh, while we are going to be reiterating, uh, you know, what is worship, what do we see in the in the biblical uh, text, uh, in the original languages as to what worship is, we also want to talk uh, in a very uh, broad sense for today um, how we can compare and contrast what we see in the Bible, what worship is described as in the Bible, to what we see today in our churches. Uh, so whether that be you as a member of a congregation or as a worship leader, as a pastor, uh, in whatever your field of ministry can, it, it, uh, is, uh, let's look at what the Bible instructs us to do and let's compare. Are we doing that in our churches? Are we as worship leaders singing songs that instruct and encourage in the same way that the Bible tells us to instruct and encourage? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of the theme for today. We're going to be talking about, again, a word study of worship, just looking very briefly and then comparing and contrasting uh, biblical worship to worship that we see today in the church. Um, and so without further ado, I think we can jump right into this episode. Um, and we're going to start all the way uh 
with <laughs> just regular basic uh, words that we see in in the scriptures. These are some of the words that we see more predominantly in the in the biblical uh, texts. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to start with uh, one that we talked. And again, you can refer to uh, episode two for more in-depth, kind of talking about these words a little bit more in-depth. But I'm going to start right now with a word that we see uh, in Hebrew. Uh, We're going to start off with the Old Testament. I'm going to start off uh, with the word that we see in Hebrew for worship. Uh, I'm going to be referring to Psalm 96, uh, verse 9. And the, the verse says, Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Worship Mm. the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Uh, You also see uh, that same word for worship used in Psalm 29 too, which it says, ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship, again, it's going to be the same word, and we'll talk about what that word is. Uh, Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Yeah. So that word that we see in the Hebrew uh, is histau. Uh, the the most basic meaning or translation of that word is simply just to bow down. It's a it's a it's a reverent act of worship in bowing down before God. Um, and we see the the writer uh, here. What he what he does is he breaks it down. And he says worship, and then he says the motive of worship right there. Mm-hmm. He says the action, and then the motive of that action. Worship the Lord. In what? In the splendor of his holiness. So yeah. in the understanding of the magnificence of the holiness of God, we are yeah. driven to worship. Yeah. Uh, and then we see in Psalm uh, 29 two, ascribe the Lord the glory due to his name. So he just explains the action, right? He explains the action of worship. Mm-hmm. which is that bowing down. And in that bowing down, in that acknowledging of God's supreme worth, right? that is worship. And then he says, again, he says the motive of that worship again. So he portrays the action and then the motive. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. holiness. Um, yeah. And I think this is probably the, uh, there are so many verses like that in the Psalms. If you read the Psalms, you can see so many times uh, the writers of the Psalms, they're just talking about the nature of God and they're pointing us to worship. They're pointing us to worship. Uh, And a lot of the time, it might not even just be attributes like holiness. A lot of the time it's talking about things like God's judgment, God's Mm -hmm. justice, God's uh, anger against sin. Um, and then there's also a lot of times where the writers are talking about the mercy of God, the grace right. of God, um, the love of God. I mean, Psalm 136 is just all about the love of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, David just lists things out. And then he says, after each sing- each and every single one of them, he says, for the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. For the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Uh, even in Psalms that are personal prayers of David's, like Psalm 51, that's a personal prayer of David. How do we know that? Because it's it even says it right there in the heading of that, of that uh, chapter. Mm-hmm. It says that this is a prayer that David is praying after he sinned with mm-hmm. Bathsheba. Yeah. And so even there, David is acknowledging the nature of God. Yeah. Uh, and you can read it and it says, uh, have mercy on me, O God, according to what? According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even here in Psalm uh, 29.2 and in Psalm 96.9, the writers are being consistent with everything else that they've been doing in the Psalms, which is acknowledging the nature of God, yeah. acknowledging the nature of God. And then in light of that nature, it says what? Worship, mm-hmm. worship. And so that's that word again is histawu. It's bowing down. And again, it's in light and in knowledge of who God is that we can 
do that act of worshiping or of bowing down. Yeah. Yeah. One thing you talked about, Sammy, was the uh, worship of God in all of his attributes, right? And mm -hmm. not just, and I think one thing that we see now is, you know, when we talk about the deviation from true worship, mm. it's not the reason why people are not able to identify deviations or distortions of true worship is because it's never that you are worshiping a total different entity. Mm. It's not that we have replaced, it's not that false worship is replacing God with a person or uh, some object. That's not, that's not how we see this. But what happens in false worship is we pick attributes of God to worship mm. instead of worshiping God. Yeah. So we look at attributes of God and we desire for certain attributes of God, or we only hear of certain attributes of God. And instead of worshiping God, we worship those attributes. Mm. And that's the danger here. And what Sammy just talked about was the worship that God desires is not a worship of his attributes. It's a worship of him. And when we worship him, we worship him for all that he is. So all that he is and he does for us, whether that seems to be hard to really grasp or it seems so wonderful to us, all of those things of God is what we worship because we don't worship specific attributes. And mm. when we put God or when we take specific attributes or things or verses or promises and we take those and worship them what we have done without knowing is we've just built for ourselves god another god mm -hmm. yeah so taking certain attributes certain promises certain blessings putting them together and and worshiping that is not worshiping god it's worshiping another god so the worship mm -hmm. of god truly scripturally is the worship of god for who he is entirely and we just heard about his holiness we read about the worship of the angels of his judgment we read that throughout mm. scripture there is continuous worship and praise and uh exaltation of the name of god for all that he is mm -hmm. and not just all that yeah. he does but all that he is so i think that's a very key thing to understand now um and kind of self-reflect to say am i really just happy to worship god because of certain things that i know of him or am i able to read scripture from genesis to revelation and worship him for all that god has revealed himself mm. to be in the yeah word? yeah and i think one thing that you mentioned rufus is really interesting and we're actually going to jump there right now we briefly talked about hebrew about the hebrew word just that one hebrew word and of course uh, again i would refer you to episode two for more in-depth word study um mm. But going to the Greek, and just like you said, there's just these, you know, minor deviations, minor deviations that we have in the church today. And yeah. if we go to Luke chapter four, I mean, we see the temptation of Jesus. Uh, we see the temptation of Jesus. And one yeah. thing that I think is really interesting, the way that Satan tempts Jesus, it's not saying things that Jesus is incapable of doing. Right. He's not saying things that Jesus is incapable of doing. He's saying things that are very much in Jesus's power to do. That's, that's the insane, insane part about this. Jesus being both fully God, fully man. Yeah. Jesus is perfectly able to do each and every single one of the things that Satan is tempting Jesus with. 
Right. And that's the that's the craziness. That's the mm-hmm. that's the craziness about about this that in the church today we've done the same thing as Satan is trying to do to Jesus. Yeah. It's not that it's not that God can't do something or God is incapable of doing something. No, we've so exalted one thing that we want God to do for us that mm-hmm. we've completely forgotten about who God truly is. Yeah. I mean we yeah. we we sing songs about God's favor and God's blessing and God's breakthrough and 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 this and that and the victory and all this but then we don't have any true idea of the person of this God, you know, the, the attributes of this God, who he yeah. has revealed himself in scripture. And so we're, and there's a quote by Bodhi Bauckham, which I think is so amazing that this generation of Christians is so in love with the Jesus that they don't truly know. Yeah. And that's the, that's, that's what I, that's what we see in worship today. Is it not? And if you, even if you read in, in the temptation of Jesus, Satan tells Jesus worship before me and all of this right he takes Jesus up to the up to the mountaintop and he, and he shows him hey you know all this all of this is is mine i can give it to you um only if you worship me if you worship mm-hmm. before me all of it will be yours and that word there proscuneo or proscunio um it's to it's it's to prostrate oneself in 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 reverence or in homage before mm-hmm. before god right mm-hmm. And that's the worship that we are supposed to give to God, yeah. right? Because Jesus says that in the very next verse. He says in Luke 4, verse 8, you shall worship proscunio, worship yeah. the God, worship the Lord, your God. Yep. We see in uh, John four twenty four, you should worship, worship proscunio in spirit and in truth. Yeah. This is the worship that we are supposed to be ascribing to God. Mm-hmm. And what this, what devil, what Satan does here is he demands that worship of 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 Jesus to himself mm-hmm. the same yep. worship that we are supposed to give to God he demands it from Jesus yep and yet the same way that we have Jesus was tempted is the same way the church is today being drifted away from the true biblical idea of worship even when we see Jesus Jesus being taken up and shown the world right I mean, we we so many times we talk about earthly blessing and earthly situations that we might be going through and yeah. earthly victories that we need to receive, earthly breakthroughs that we need to receive. And we've thrown away the true understanding of who God is so that we can have momentary comfort, momentary blessing, momentary victory, momentary pleasure. Yeah. Was it like the, the devil is concerned about making you and i in love with who we can be and what we can get on the in the world yeah and he's so concerned about it that he would be even willing to convince you that that's what god wants Mm. he's he's not he doesn't he's not in the in the business of saying hey i'm the devil and i want (laughs) you to be in love with the world no (laughs) But as long as he can make you believe that God's desire for you and God is kind of in your hands and he is there to accomplish what you want on this world, as long as he can convince you of that, he's fulfilled his purpose. Because as long as he's brought you to a place where your worship and your praise is simply about what God can do for you now here, Mm. He knows that you have drifted away from what God wants you to do. 
or what God desires. And so I guess the question to ask and the question that that I would encourage every single person listening to ask themselves is, am I able to worship God upon understanding things of him that have no implication or have no direct prosperity or blessing for me? Mm-hmm. Meaning, am I worshiping God upon hearing that God will deliver me and God will win all my battles? Or am I also able to worship God upon hearing that God is holy? Yeah. Are we, are we really only worshiping God for what the implications are for our life on earth? Or are we able to worship God for who he says he is? Mm-hmm. And, and the, as, we, as we just talked about Proscunio, of the one that we uh, brought up again, uh, we talked about Satan uh, and, and, and Jesus, but we also talked about, I think in episode two, about Revelation 4, verse 9 to 11. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, we, we kind of go through this over and over again, but there's just one part that I will hit on. Um, we see the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who's seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever. They cast their crowns before the throne. And then they say, worthy are you, Lord God. But I just want to just touch this point. They cast their crowns before the throne. The worship of the church today has such so deviated that we are worshiping in order to get a crown. Mm. Our worship is in the motivation of being able to have God crown us, have God give, receive from God, mm. when true worship that we see in heaven is upon the realization and the glory and the majesty of God, we cast our crowns down. Mm. We give up what we have. We give up our rewards. We give up our treasures simply in awe of who God is. Mm. And that's that message that we have been reiterating over and over again in every single episode, that worship is not motivated by the desire to get something from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's not, we can spend hours and hours and hours singing songs, hoping to get something from God, but that was never the point of worship. The point of worship is regardless of what you have or don't, realizing who God is and falling in reverence to him. Yeah. Saying, mm-hmm. I don't even want a crown. I can't even have a crown on my head because in the presence of God, this crown means nothing. Mm. It's nothing before the, the splendor of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah. So again, that that this idea of proscunio is so clear in motive in the motivation of worship this is so clear if we are going to fall in reverence fall on the ground in reverence there is nothing that we desire from it mm. it's a response mm-hmm. it is a response yeah and so we can say we can we can we can twist the words and we can say well or, you know we can't limit worship to this and this no we don't limit worship me and sammy on the honest worship podcast don't limit worship the word of god defines yeah. worship. yeah 
So you, you and I are not bound by what some pastor or what some church defines as worship. We are bound to what God has defined his worship to be. And so that's, that's our guideline. And over and over again, in the Greek, in the, in the Hebrew, New Testament, Old Testament, we see worship has never been to get. It has always been response to who God is. And so I would remind everyone to to make sure that we see that that is what over and over again worship is defined as. It's not a boundary that we are setting yeah. uh, from our own opinion at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you mentioned Revelation and the saints casting down their crowns, and the, I think the interesting thing about that is it's this is eternity. Right. This is eternity. This is their eternal crown. And right, we we see over and over whoever uh, whoever shall keep be kept till the end, right? They shall keep receive a crown of life, right? We see that, and this these saints and these elders, having received this crown of life, yeah, cast it down. Yeah, this is not this is not earthly glory or earthly uh, promise or earthly blessing. No, this is eternal reward. Right, they are casting down. In light of who God is, right? That's the their proscunio, their bowing down, their reverence is not because of the crown that they received. Mm-hmm. They do not sing in heaven because of the breakthrough that they received in getting that crown. Right. That's the craziness about this. No, they having received their eternal reward, cast it down because of who God is. Yep. That's insane. That's insane. I yeah, mean, yeah. The, we talked, you know, briefly, Hestahu, uh, Proscunio, and there's another word, Latreia, uh, which is talking about service to God, right? We see in Romans 12, 1, probably the, the theme verse of this podcast. I think it is the theme verse of this podcast. Yeah, it is. I, appeal to, <laughs> <laughs> I appeal to you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to what? Present your bodies as a, an act of worship, Latreia, right. as an act of your act of service to God. That is worship. Yep. And what is it in light of the mercies of God? Right? All of this stuff that we talk about, all of this stuff that we, we acknowledged from the scriptures, whether it be from the Old Testament, the New Testament, worshiping God in spirit and in truth, the understanding of who he is. Yeah. Whether it's service, worshiping in light of the mercies of God, who is God? What is his mercy? Yeah. Everything is in response to what we know of God to be. Yeah. Never what can we squeeze out of the hand of God by singing a song. Mm-hmm. It's never yeah. been about that. I mean, look at the old English word for wor- worship. It's simply worth-ship. Right. Worth-ship. It's, it's, it's an act of ascribing to God or to deity worship, supreme worth, acknowledging yep. the value of something. Yeah. And it's crazy. And honestly, it breaks my heart that we can see churches, we can see uh, prominent worship bands singing and writing songs that almost have nothing at all to do about the worthiness of Jesus, the worthiness of God, the majesty of the cross, the majesty of the mercy of God, the holiness of God. And yet they sing songs written to audiences. 
written to audiences yeah. about the yeah. circumstance of the audience, the blessing of the audience, the yeah. breakthrough of the audience, the victory of the audience over present yep. circumstances and situations. And yet not a mention of ascribing to God supreme praise. Right. Why is it that when we read the scriptures, even Paul and Silas thrown into prison, beaten, the skin probably peeling off their back, chained to a wall, they are not singing and praising God for the prison walls to come down? Yeah. That's not their intention in praising God, that the right. prison walls would come down. How have we twisted as the church from the first century to now how have we traded eternal worth and value of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for temporary right. victory and breakthrough and promise? Yep. Yeah. Right? We see over and over and over again, worship is a response to the nature, the person, and the work of God. Right. And yet right. we somehow today have twisted it. Yeah. We have twisted it. When worship is to be about God and God alone, we've made worship about us, what we can receive from God and our experiences. Yep. And this should break our hearts. Yeah. I mean, just don't don't focus on singing your lyrics before you actually read them. I'm I'm serious. Right. Read the lyrics of some of the songs. Just read it. Forget how good it sounds. And I used to do this too. I used to sing a song because it sounded good. Mm -hmm. and I love music. I think music is super important. I don't think Psalm 150 would be there telling you to praise God with the cymbals and the tambourine yeah. and the harp and the lyre if music wasn't important. No, I think music is very important. I think God cares for music. Yeah. But I also do think God cares about his glory. I right. also do think God cares about how well you portray him to the congregation that you are leading. Read the lyrics of the songs that you sing. Yeah. And, and I would just say to all of you, please just don't compromise on this. I keep having these conversations where people are just like, well, that's probably a specific ministry. It's probably a specific purpose. There's probably you know, a certain group that they're targeting. When we gather to worship, we don't target groups. Mm. I'm sorry to say, when we gather to worship God, we are not targeting specific people with our lyrics. We are presenting God to them so that they can look up and worship God. That's it. We mm. present the work of the cross. We present Jesus to people so that they can see Jesus mm. look up and worship him. That's the only purpose. There are no other target groups. There are no other motivations. There are no other purposes, um, no other uh, intentions of worship. Mm. That's it. That's simply the intention that, that worship is defined as. Yeah. So, I, I, I'm pleading with you guys that we need to stop justifying these things because they're part of a community that we associate with. We need to stop justifying certain songs because it's coming from a place that we agree with. No, D test everything. Mm -hmm. Test everything. 
-hmm. Don't feel sorry. Don't feel bad because you're, you're part of a group that listens to a certain song over and over again. And when you look at it, you're in your heart, you know that it's not a worship song to God. You know that it's not something that glorifies God. Please don't feel like, you know, you are in the wrong there. Mm -hmm. If you know the word of God in your heart and you see something that doesn't align with the purpose that God has intended, then understand that you identifying that as wrong is not a bad thing. I feel like yeah. that's something every people are usually scared about because we don't want to be that person. Mm. But when it comes to the things of God, I'm telling you, when we ignore such things, there is a grave, grave danger where people can even be comfortable believing in a God that is not the true God. And the ramifications of that are very serious. So please don't think of this as, well, it's just one song. No, if we don't know what worship is, that's much more serious than just misquoting mis uh, a verse in scripture or something like that, mm -hmm. right? And we, uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, uh, we read, through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. So through him, through Jesus, let us continually continually not when something needs to be done yeah not when i'm trying to get into a, a a job and i need god's help not when i'm facing a certain struggle and i need god to fight for me continually like sammy said paul and silas in prison continually yeah offer up a sacrifice of praise to god and what is that the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name so that when I praise God, the fruit of my lips are not acknowledging who I am. Mm. It's not acknowledging of who I can be. Mm. It's not acknowledging who my congregation is or can be. The fruit of lips, the sacrifice of praise is simply acknowledging God, his name. It doesn't say the fruit of, it doesn't say the fruit of lips that acknowledge God's ability to give you victory. It's not the fruit of lips that acknowledge God's ability to give you breakthrough. It's not the fruit of lips that gives, uh, that, that acknowledges God's ability to give you some authority. Mm. It's yeah. the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name, his mm. name, simple. Yeah. Acknowledge God for all that he is regardless of what he does for me. So that's something that we just have to realize that the, 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 we are called to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, fruit of the lips that acknowledge God. Mm -hmm. And we need, to, we need to be vocal about these things that don't have this purpose. Yeah. And the reason why we're reiterating this, and I know we're saying a lot of things that we often associate with worship, such as breakthrough, such as victory, such as promise, such as blessing, right? These are often things that we associate with worship. And quite frankly, I think when you search through scripture and you read from Genesis to Revelation without any bias or any filter or any lens, you just, just read the scriptures. I think very rarely and almost never will you ever see somebody worshiping God to squeeze something out of God's hand. Yeah. Never. And again, Paul and Silas in prison. Paul wrote 75% of the New Testament. 
And in that 75% of the New Testament that he wrote, he never, ever once mentions that instance in Acts. Mm -hmm. Never mentions it. I just think that's astonishing. This same Paul who writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I appeal to you, brethren, by what? The mercies of God to praise and worship and to present your lives as a living sacrifice. That same Paul does yeah. not ever point to the instance in the prison. And he says, I appeal to you, brethren, by the breakthrough that God can give you over this situation. Yeah. And again, listen, I want to make clear, I'm not in any way trying to negate the power of God to change a circumstance or a situation that you are in. He is more than able. But if yep. we are worshiping God to receive something from him and not because we are captivated by who mm -hmm. he is, then we're not worshiping God, but an idol. Right. And we should be heartbroken knowing yep. that churches are writing songs about mm -hmm. this. Yeah. This is not us trying to be, uh, you know, push our THWP agenda. Yeah. That's not what this is. I mean, for, forget everything that we say. Mm -hmm. Forget everything that we say, right? We, so many, just look at the scriptures. Look at this, look at the scriptures and what we see happening in the scriptures. So many times we often associate, um, one specific instance and we can say okay this is what happened in this instance and then we associate with something that has nothing nothing at all right, to do with right, that right, at, at right. all mm -hmm. i mean one of those passages is second chronicles chapter 20 and often we see this in regards and i know we talked about breakthrough and and kind of like the victory that we see second second chronicles chapter 20 verse 17 and often we see this um and i'm going to read it from the esv you will not need to fight in this battle stand firm hold your position and see the salvation of the lord on your behalf O judah and jerusalem do not be afraid do not be dismayed tomorrow go out against them and the lord will be with you and honestly that is an awesome promise that we have praise god for that but now i want you to take yeah. take just go down a little bit lower to verse 21 and when they had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were going to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went out before the army and say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And now verse 22. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah. Oftentimes, I've, and I've heard this so many times, this passage being completely ripped out of its context, to advocate for, this is a song that was written by uh, Jesus Culture, uh, Praise Before My Breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And I've heard this scripture portion used to justify things like that. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's not what we're seeing here. Mm -hmm. Yes, are they singing before they walk into battle? Absolutely, they are singing before they walk into battle. And you know what? I encourage you as listeners of this podcast and as believers in whatever circumstance you are in, praise God. Right. But notice why they are praising God. Notice what they are saying as they are praising God. They are not praising God saying we are going to see victory over this present situation. 
That's yeah. not what they're saying. They are saying, give thanks to the Lord for what? His steadfast love endures forever. And my, I can only imagine that the Apostle Paul and Silas sitting in that prison are doing the exact same thing, saying, yep. praise the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Yep. As they were just beaten, mocked, yeah. their skin on their back is being torn off. Yeah. And not for a second do they ever want to give thanks to God for anything that he might be able to give them or anything like that. No, no, no. I can only imagine. And every single time I see the Apostle Paul talk about, I mean, the Apostle Paul talks about an instance where he went up into heaven. Right. And he does not He does not focus on, and so many times we see people talking about when we get to heaven, we're going to have a mansion, streets of gold, all this. Not for a second yep. does the Apostle Paul mention that. He focuses on the glory and the immensity and the majesty and the beauty of the God that he saw. Yeah. Yeah. And I refuse to believe that as Paul is sitting in that prison cell, having seen all these things, having known all these things, being the same Paul that writes that this present suffering is not worthy to be compared to the future glory that is to be revealed to us. I refuse yeah. to believe that this same Paul is going to be sitting in prison singing songs to squeeze breakthrough out of God's hand. Right. I cannot see that. I don't see that in the scriptures. When I see people worshiping before they walk into battle, I see them singing about the nature and the person of God. Yep. Not present breakthrough or victory that they want to see. And I know this is hard for us to hear because the first the first time I heard this, I didn't want to believe it. Right. Because this is what I've been singing. This is what I've been leading my youth group into. Mm-hmm. But we have to understand, worship is instituted by God for God. It will right. never, ever, ever, it never has been, never is, and never will be ever about us. Yep. It never will be about us. Yeah. I mean, we see, we, we see in the book of Acts so many times people using the name of God for their own personal benefit. Right? Mm-hmm. There was a group of there was a group of of men that went out and tried to cast out demons in the name of Paul and in the name of Jesus. And the demon said to them, that the demon calls them out on their nonsense, which yep. I think is so funny. Demon right. calls them out on their nonsense. And he says, Paul, I know Jesus, I know. But who are you? Yeah. And then the scriptures go on to tell us that the men were left beaten and naked and they ran away. Yep. They ran away. And so many times we, we in our worship songs, we are trying to do the same thing, trying to yeah. use the name of God so that we can just get whatever we want, whatever breakthrough, whatever victory, whatever deliverance. But listen, that's not what the purpose of worship is. Yep. If, if a demon possessed man wasn't delivered just because somebody used the name of Jesus, then there's a serious thing that we are missing. We're doing the same yeah. exact thing as those men. Simply yeah. using the name of God as some right. sort of key to unlock some sort of breakthrough or victory. Yep. And I believe God wants to deliver demon-possessed demon people. I, b- I believe that with all my heart. How do right. I know that? Because Jesus went all the way to the gatherings to deliver a demon-possessed man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't allowed to preach there. He wasn't allowed to do anything there. No, he delivered that man and he wept. I believe God has a heart for those who are oppressed and those who need deliverance. Right. 
And I believe God can do that for you. If you are in a situation right now and you need God's hand to work supernaturally, I believe he will do that. God will do that because of who he is, not because you coerced him into doing so. Yep. I I would just, I kind of lay this out as a simple self-examination tool. After you listen to a song, or after you hear a message in any context, whatever that may be, you and I are not the ones that validate whether it was good or bad. Mm. God does. Yeah. God does. Because worship is something that we give to God, He is the one who says, I am pleased in it. Or I am not. You and I don't. But the reason why we feel like we can validate worship is because the songs that we sing are simply just about blessing, simply just about deliverance, simply what God can give you the more you praise Him, simply just about promises that you can get on this earth. When we sing all of these things, we reach this level of this emotional satisfaction. We mm. feel as if, yeah. wow, God is so great that he's really going to do all these things for me. Wow, I couldn't do this on my, by myself. I couldn't get these things by myself. But there's this person, there's this God that can do all of this for me now. And we reach this level of excitement and validation and, and, and such joy and this false sense of joy mm. that we feel like, yes, this mm -hmm. is worship. This has to be because this, I, you, you validate it by how you feel. And I'm telling you this right now, whether you believe it or not, the songs that are being written, they are written for that purpose. Yeah. They are written for that purpose to get us to a place where we feel so emotionally happy. But the, the one thing that I have mentioned before, we read Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, don't be conformed, to, uh, uh, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The question is not, am I happy with the God that I have built for myself, the God mm -hmm. that this song has promised me uh, to, uh, to have or to possess, or has my mind been renewed and transformed as I have grown in the knowledge of who this God is? That's the, that's the true mark of a scriptural song. That's the true mark of when the word is proclaimed, that I'm not simply just motivated that God's going to do, do, do. Yeah. But my mind is so transformed by who God is. Yeah. yeah. And I am satisfied in his person, mm. even if I remain in the same situation that I, that I was when I came into the place. Mm. And I think that's why Paul... And we talk about Paul a lot. And I think that's why Paul had such hope and such joy. I just almost feel as if the more Paul endured, the more joy and hope he had in God. Right? It wasn't, it wasn't that Paul had this stagnant level of joy and he just had exponential growth of problems and trials. Mm -hmm. But I feel as, as his struggles, his trials, his persecution increased, he grew in the knowledge of God 
not in some false knowledge of what God can do. Mm, yeah. He grew in the knowledge of the person of God. And as his trials and persecution increased, he grew in hope and love for that God. And that's, that's just something that unfortunately we don't see now. And we don't see that motivation now. And there's this, there's this idea that we control God. We wield God. And I, I'll just say this and I'll jump it back to you, Sammy. Worship is not a weapon. Worship yeah. is not a weapon. Mm -hmm. It's not. You don't face, you don't look at your circumstances and you don't look at your struggles, no matter how great they are. And I, and again, we reiterate that God is, is powerful and he's sovereign and he is able according to his will to deliver us from any circumstance. But we do not take worship the time and the opportunity and the privilege that we've been given to ascribe worth to God, we don't take that and use it as a weapon and speak against certain things or bring certain things to existence, per se. Mm, yeah. That's not worship. Mm. I would even go far as say prayer is not a weapon. Prayer is a privilege that we have to commune with God, to talk to our Heavenly Father, and worship is most definitely not a weapon. We do not gather as a congregation with a bunch of people with certain problems and we just speak out against certain trials and situations and uh, 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 battles that we face, hoping that God would hear it and come down and just deliver us from it. No, we have these people. We gather together, each of us going through trials, each of us going through struggles, each of us going through suffering, especially in the time now, but the common motivation that you and I have mm. is that we serve a God who is worthy regardless Amen. of all of our problems. Mm. There's only one avenue, one area that so many people with so many different struggles, persecutions, and trials can come together and regardless of all of these things, have one common goal and find one common uh, uh, source of joy, and that is in worship where we can see the love and the mercy and all the attributes mm. of God presented to us. And we can just, regardless of what's happening, ascribe worth to this God. Amen. Yeah. Please, please don't. Let's not take this beautiful thing that God has instituted and use it for our own purpose. Mm. Please, let's not please don't touch worship. <laughs> let's, not, <laughs> let's not mess with, let's not mess with this, not only because God says don't, but also because there is such beauty in worship mm. as well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, your, your point, especially on not touching worship. And I mean, I think we see in the 10 commandments, God right there sets boundaries as yeah. right there in Exodus. I mean, it says you shall worship the Lord, your God alone shall have no yeah. other gods before me. That itself, yeah. that's not us putting God into a box. That's not Moses putting God into a box as he's writing that book. No, that's God putting himself into a box and saying, this is the boundary for how you will worship me and you will not worship me any other way. Yep. And I think so many times what we do in today's church and I know we've we've gone like all over the place for this episode, but I think we've touched on a lot of really good, important places. And I think so many times we've often labeled worship as as worship, right? We just slapped on this label to whatever song, whatever message, yep. whatever preaching, whatever yeah. doctrine, whatever teaching. Boom. Here's the here's mm -hmm. the worship sticker of approval. 
approval yeah yeah and then everybody's like all right i guess this is uh, this is go time yeah. right i mean we have yeah. prominent worship bands writing songs li- literally go go listen to some of the songs that some of these worship bands release go listen to that and see if they are singing just see, just as you not just just take a look at it from the outside point of view right say you are an unbeliever and you are walking in are they singing to the audience that you are you just walked into or are they singing to god who yeah. they are claiming to be worshiping yeah there are a lot of worship songs like that there yeah. are a lot of wor- songs i shouldn't say worship songs uh, there are a lot of songs labeled as worship songs that are like that yeah i mean l- here's a biblical example look at the story of ananias and sapphira in acts chapter 5 Right. They they walk up to Peter and you see this in Acts chapter five, verses one to 11. Right. And I'll just read it very quickly. But a man named Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles feet. Now look at what Peter says. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land while it remained unsold? Did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have uh, contrived this deed in your heart and lied not to man, but to mm-hmm. God? Right. And Ananias heard these words. Notice, please notice the immensity, how ferocious God is about the praise of his glory. Yeah. Ananias, he heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. Yep. And a great fear came upon all those who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Mm. And, and notice, notice the same exact thing that Ananias and Sapphira did that the church today is doing. They give their offering, right? They give their proceeds and they slap on spiritual offering. Yeah. <laughs> they send it with the apostles. Yep. And the apostles know. I I really if you if proper hermeneutics, right? Just proper interpretation of this text. It's not because Ananias didn't give his whole property. Right. That's not the issue here. That's not the issue here. The issue is that Ananias, knowing that he is meant right he he comes and gives it as if it is all his property right and yet knowing that it's not he still slaps on spiritual offering yep that's the same thing we do with worship is it not we sing songs <laughs> they don't they don't have to do anything with about the glory of god they don't have to do anything about the majesty of god they don't have to do anything about who we were prior to god's salvation They don't have to do anything about our sinfulness, our sinful state, and God's magnificent working of sending Christ to redeem wretched sinners like us. Have nothing to do with that, and we slap on the worship sticker of approval, and we send it out before God. And it is God's mercy that we are still singing songs like this. Yep. And God has not changed from Acts chapter 5. God has not changed. And we see, yeah. right, we see people mockingly say uh, to Peter, right, or people questioning, is you, you guys have been talking about the coming of Jesus for so long. And then Peter writes, and I think it's in Second Peter, and he says, a thousand years, right, one day to man is, is like a thousand years to God, right? 
Yeah. And he's saying, don't, don't be quick to jump to the conclusion that God isn't coming. He's yeah. so patient with sinners. Right. He is letting his mercy be put on display. Yeah. In the same way that we are being able to sing some of the songs that we sing, that is God's infinite mercies. Right. And I'm not saying this to condemn you as a worship leader. If you are coming to the realization now that some of the songs that you are singing are really not biblical worship songs, I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm yeah. not trying to throw the first stone. No, because I was there too. Yeah. And my yeah. my goal in all of this, and Rufus's goal in all of this, and our goal in all of this is please realize worship is not about you. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. It never was about you. It never is about you. It never will be about you. Right. Two, worship is not about what you can squeeze out of the hand of God. And we yeah. talked about it briefly here. Right. Worship is not our weapon. Worship is not just us coming to church, repeatedly singing about certain things so that we can get God to somehow manipulate little tiny little things so that yeah. things are better for us. No, yeah. that's not what worship is. Yeah. I mean, Simon the Zealot, just another example from Scripture, Simon the Zealot, Acts chapter eight, verse 18. Now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles hands, what did he do? He offered them money. To receive what? The Holy Spirit. Yeah. Isn't this the same thing that we are doing with the lyrics that we sing? Somehow trying to bribe God's hand into moving and working in our lives? Yeah. Right. As if God somehow lost his sovereignty and needs to be decreed by our lyrics to act Mm. on our behalf. Yeah. We've created an idol. That's what the American church has done. And not just the American church. And I know a lot of the times in these episodes, my heart for a lot of the time in these episodes is reaching out to the community that I came from, that I'm a part of. In the Indian church. We've created an idol. Yeah. We've, We've thrown God off his throne and we've placed an idol there. Yeah. And we see so like, the instances you read in the Old Testament, they, uh, the nation, the Babylon, I believe, captured the Ark of the Covenant and they brought it before and they set it before Baal. And they come and they wake up and what? The idol collapsed in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Mm. God has the same power to do that now. Yeah. To collapse and destroy the idols of him that we have set up. Yeah. Again, but it is his mercy. Right. It is his mercy. I mean, we are doing the same thing as Ananias and Sapphira, keeping part of worship, keeping part of the lyrics for ourselves. God, you will give me this blessing. You will give me this promise. You will give me this victory. There is a breakthrough. Hmm. It has nothing to do about worshiping and ascribing God glory. Right. It's about us, our present situation. And we slap on worship and we send it before God as an offering. Right. You really think God is pleased in that? Yeah. You really think his heart rejoices after he redeemed you and I by the purchase and shedding of his own blood? You mm-hmm. really think that God is pleased in our half-hearted praise that we send mm-hmm. to him? Yeah. You really think God is satisfied in our little coercion prayers that we sing through our yeah. lyrics? 
or even our experiences. I mean, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, right? The Corinthian church is so wildly focused on experience that they've completely forgotten about who God is. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I believe in spiritual experiences. I believe that there are experiences that can change your life. Yeah. I believe that the Holy Spirit works in powerful, marvelous ways. I believe that you will be healed. I believe yeah. in all of these things. But if we elevate that and slap on worship and send it before God as our experiences and say, yeah. worship, right. we missed the point. That's, right. a, that's the whole point the Apostle Paul is trying to make. Yeah. Right nudged in between chapters 12 and chapters 14 is chapter 13. Yeah. Have you noticed? It's just a chapter on love. Simply love. Yeah. Why? Because the Corinthian church got so caught up in the gifts of the Spirit and their experiences that they completely forgot about who they are supposed to be as a church in loving not only one another, but God. Yeah. And we've done the same thing with worship. Mm -hmm. We're doing the same thing with worship. In singing songs that have nothing at all to do with the majesty of Jesus. Nothing at all to do with the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God. And yet we come before God singing songs that don't even mention his name. Yeah. Yeah, there are songs that we sing in our churches that don't mention the name of God. Right. And we raise our hands and we lift our voices and we are brought to tears by what? Not the presence of God. Hmm. God's spirit is not going to be where his truth is not. Right. Right. God's spirit will never, ever move. And we've talked about this yeah. so many times at the absence of his own truth. Yeah. We worship God in spirit and in truth. Yeah. You want to experience the presence of God and the spirit of God? Worship in light of the truth of God. Not what you want to get out of God. Yeah. Not how you feel about God. No. Worship in light of who God is. Yeah. That's that is our call, right? Um, I I I'll just put this for those of you who are serving. First uh, Peter four verse eleven says, "Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, mm. whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, why?" in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Mm. You and I have only one purpose. Always. We only have one thing in our mind. It's that God would be glorified. God. So if I speak, I speak that which God has proclaimed. I speak the oracles yeah. of God. And if I serve as one who serves by the strength of that God supplies, it's always been about him mm. pointing people to him. I look at John the Baptist and such a prominent figure during that time, yeah. right? Such a prominent figure during that time. And after Jesus comes, his, the disciples of John look at him and say, wait a minute, 
all the people that were listening to you, all the people that were following you, John, look, they just went across and are now being baptized by Jesus <laughs> over there. And they're like, what's going on? And the real, the thing that they missed out on was from the time that John went into the wilderness and was preaching repentance and preparing the way for Jesus Christ, his purpose was to point everyone's eyes to Jesus. Mm. And we see John say, my whole purpose was to point you all to him. I came here to prepare the way for him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I was simply a messenger pointing and making a way for him. And John says, now my joy is complete. Look at that. Now my joy is complete. All the people that were listening to me went and are now following and getting baptized by Jesus. And now my joy is complete. What does that mean? It's not that he had these levels of joy and this was the final step. No, this is the perfection of joy. When we can see people hear our message or hear our songs, read our lyrics and turn around and say, I want to know Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. John is saying this is there's no greater joy than this on earth. There's no greater joy. John said he must increase. I must decrease. Mm. The whole point of our service, the whole point of our message, the whole point of our lyrics is that God may be glorified and people will turn to him. Yeah. Not that someone will say, oh, shoot, there's a guy that can deliver me from my problem. Oh, snap. There's a guy that can give me blessings. Oh, snap. There's a guy that has a greater plan for my life than I do. No, that upon hearing about who God is and what he has done for us on the cross, people would say, I want to follow him. Mm. I want to know him more. And I, I pray that that is our intention always, always, that God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And again, just another word of encouragement. There's still, you know, so many things that that could be addressed in regards to worship. And, and maybe if we feel that it, it, it's necessary for us to address some things, and of course, there's going to be lyric analysis coming out on songs that we are thinking of when we're talking about, you know, these words and these songs that we uh, mentioned. There's going to be lyric analysis coming up. One thing that mm -hmm. I want to encourage, if you are going through a, a situation in your life that is hard, whether it be emotional, physical, whether it be mental, whether it be matters of your family, um, of your friends, or whatever it might be, first, I want to warn you. I want to warn you, don't try to coerce God to act. God right. is able to act. He will act because he is God. And let me, let me, let that be an encouragement for you. God is faithful. And yeah. so irregardless of whether you ask or not, he will do it. Yeah. He will do it because that's who he is. Yeah. And honestly, that gives us hope. Right. That gives us so much hope that in the midst of our situation, in the midst of our difficulty, in the midst of our hardship, in the midst of our turmoil, we yeah. have reason to praise God. Yeah. Why? God is faithful. God is faithful to do it. God is faithful to work. God is faithful to act. 
irregardless of how faithful we are to him, he will do it because he is faithful to who he is as God. Right. That means as right. long as God is God, God will act. Yep. And acting doesn't mm-hmm. always look like deliverance from a situation. Mm-hmm. Paul got delivered from the prison, but he, he didn't get delivered from suffering at yeah. all. I mean, he was thrown into yeah. prison pretty close after that. Yeah. He was put into house arrest. Second Corinthians gives us a list of Paul's sufferings. Whipped, beaten, shipwrecked, yeah. hungry, left for dead, stoned, without shelter, without food, without water. That was the life right. of the Apostle Paul. And that's yeah. the same Paul that writes that this light momentary affliction to Paul, every bit of suffering Irregardless yeah. of breakthrough that he received, irregardless of battles that he needed to fight, irregardless of blessing that he got, promises that he tried to squeeze. No, none of that. None of that mattered. The light momentary affliction is producing for him an eternal weight of glory. Yep. And so amidst your suffering, dear brother, dear sister, have a confidence and an assurance that God is faithful to act. And that even if he doesn't, he is preparing for you an eternal weight of glory that will make every ounce of suffering worth it. Yeah, yeah. Worth it. And if you are an unbeliever listening to this podcast, I'm so thankful that you made it to the end. And let me just tell you that there is reason to worship this God. We predominantly talked about reasons as to not worship God. Don't worship God for this. Mm -hmm. But there is one glorious, outstanding, beautiful picture of God that calls us to worship. And that is 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary. And he, God himself, while we were still sinners, came to die in our place. When you and I as sinners stood against the wrath of God for being, you know, haters of God, like it says so vividly yeah. in Romans, we are haters of God. Yeah. While we stood against God, it's unrighteous. No one does good, not even one. No one seeks for God. Yeah. While we were those sinful, wretched haters of God, haters of the light, while all while it was our sin that held him there, like it says. Yeah. Our sin that held him there. Right? This Jesus whom we crucified. Yeah. Submitted himself to that eternal call prior to the foundations of the world to be slain for our sin. Mm-hmm. So that you and I who were dead in trespasses and sins through his resurrection and through his ascension seated at the right hand of God interceding for our behalf that we might be raised to life with Christ our savior. Amen. And one day when he comes back, we will be caught up with him in glory to sing the praises of this merciful God for all of mm. eternity. And so unbeliever, believer, I encourage you, look to the cross, set your gaze on the cross, and you have reason to worship for the rest of your life, yeah. knowing that God yeah. ransomed you from yeah. himself for himself. For himself. Yeah. And that is glorious, glorious Amen. news. And so that pretty much wraps it up for this episode of the Honest Worship Podcast. I know we talked about a lot of things that might be controversial, might you know hurt to hear, um, but I hope that it encouraged you to look 
to God for who he is, worship him for who he is, love him for who he is, not not the things that God can give you, that we don't follow God for the presence, for the present glories. We don't follow God for the Mercedes Benz, for the mansion, for the the nice job, the college education, Mm -hmm. none of that. If we lost everything, can we still worship God for who he is? Right. Because he is worthy to be worshipped as God because he is God. All right. So thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Honest Worship Podcast. We hope that you have a great rest of the week, rest of the month, and we will see all of you guys later. Bye. See you, everyone. <laughs>